Whether you've overdone it at the gym, at the dinner table, or on the couch, AHM Health Insurance have a cover for you. Join direct at ahm.com.au. For SEN America, this is the SEN MLB Podcast. Hi everyone and welcome to SEN MLB Podcast. On this episode, we're going to take a look at this week's All-Star Game coming to you out of Cincinnati, as well as a couple of Aussies who have also had All-Star Game appearances. We're going to take a look at the Hall of Fame inductees which will be happening this weekend in Cooperstown but before that joining me behind the mic is a man who played both pro football and pro baseball his name is Justin Charles JC welcome mate hi Frida how are you great terrific also joining us is a man who uh, won a Helms award way back in 2007 he's represented Australia a number of different times including the world baseball classic in 2006 former catcher with the Boston Red Sox he is Matt Kent. Matt, welcome. Good morning. How are we going? Terrific, mate. We're going to uh, jump straight into it, lads, because we've got plenty to get through, of course, the All-Star Game, which happened this week over in uh, the United States in Cincinnati. The American League ended up winning the game 6-3. to three, And, of course, the greatest player on the planet as we speak, Mike Trout, wins another MVP. How did you see the game, JC? Uh, it was great. I, look, I thought... Uh, the pitching was fantastic. I really enjoyed uh, uh, the the pitching duels. Um, Mike Trout, isn't it funny? Like that, that really broke the game open right from the start. Mm. Really put a, a, a different complexion on the game right from the start. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it was it was fantastic. Really enjoyed it. Uh, really enjoyed uh, Jacob Degrom. Oh, uh, yeah. Live yep. stuff. Live yep. stuff. It was uh, uh, ten ten pitches, three strikeouts. Yep. Job done. There was a number of terrific performances. You mentioned Trout right off the get-go facing one of the best one-two punches going in baseball being Zach Greinke, mm. throwing the ball at 95 miles an hour. Mm. Didn't pitch badly. Didn't yeah, pitch badly. Didn't one, pitch bad badly. Pitch. one bad yeah, pitch. You know, one bad pitch. He threw that one pitch, but, but Trout... And not even a bad pitch, really. It was a good swing. Yeah, it just had that little bit of little, up. If you watched him uh, the inning after, he threw that same pitch a little bit further down. It had the starts off the plate, comes back onto the black perfectly, and he's got his strike out. A little bit up. A little bit up, a little bit out, and that's enough for a, oh, for a guy league, like you know? Trout. For Trout, he's, he's so good right now. Is he the best player in baseball right now? I mean, there's oh. Giancarlo Stanton, there's Bryce Harper. There's a number of different guys. Look, you know, he, he's he got the runs on the board, hasn't he? Like he, He's been very consistent. That, that's back-to-back on. MVPs Correct. now for the guy. It's one of been done. He's a big. He's a big game player. Never been done. He's a big game player. He's a you know he performs in the big games. Loves the big stage. Um, you know we were talking about last week about the the major league average has gotten better um, just across the board and and you know to be to play at that level all the time is just phenomenal. Um, but you mentioned uh, Bryce Harper. They could like right now you could probably make. 
an argument for him being you know the hottest player in baseball right now. But yeah. over over an extended period, um, you know Trout he's right up there. Well, when, you you, when you're getting uh, accolades from his teammate Albert Pujols <laughs> saying, "I get the best seat in the house every week to watch this guy," he's yeah. the best player yeah. coming from Albert Pujols, who's mm. done it for what is it, 15 plus years now? Yeah, it's ridiculous. There's a nice accolade. relationship with between those two too, and Trout calls Pujols his mentor. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like it's and what a that's what I love about baseball too. You know, you've got that changing of the guards, um, that access to to experience and and um, how to you know how to go to that next level in your dugout potentially. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, terrific. And also other performances you mentioned pitching uh, just a moment ago. The Jacob one that's wrong, yeah. the one that stood out for me was Araldos Chapman. <laughs> the guy threw fourteen <laughs> pitches, twelve of which were over a hundred miles an hour. Now. I'm not sure how many people listening may have stood in a batter's box. I've faced about 85, got a little trembly at times around the knees. Something coming at 100 miles an hour must be some sort of blur. And from the left side at six foot five, this this guy's some sort of athlete. Boy, he throws the ball hard. Yeah, Matty, have you, what, what's the yeah. fastest you've ever seen? So, 06 WBC. Um, Deebs gave us the uh, the start against Dominican Republic. Yep. Uh, and they had uh, Miguel Cabrera throwing at that time about six foot eight righty, which I was happy as right handed because mm. I don't want to see Chapman from the left side. Mm. Uh, he had been a left handed hitter yeah, that you are. Definitely. And uh, yeah, he was throwing about 98, and the first one was right at my face. And I <laughs> wow. saw that like it was coming at five mile an hour because wow. your life was over. It yeah. was like, get out the way. Yeah, sure. Had a bit of a look, not a full stare at him, but enough to say, you know, we're okay here. But not enough for him to go, bugger this kid, I'll hit him again. So, yeah, that was a quite scary moment there in 98. JC, well, you, we, I've I seen 96 and that's yeah. scary enough. Yeah. Well, I, I saw, I think I saw 92, 93 once. And as I say, that was an Earl Byrne. Earl Byrne, now we're not talking 100 mile an hour, but he, he was a left-hander, signed with the Chicago Cubs AAA. back in the day, got to the AAA yeah. level. Should have played the bigs. Had, had, the, had the, the best pickoff move you can nearly ever see. Had the chance yeah. to to, to, yeah. <laughs> to uh, go to the big leagues, but uh, unfortunately things happen. Um, but he used to throw the ball firm, and and I do remember I was getting on uh, towards the end of my career, and Earl was right sort of in the middle of that era with the Chicago Cubs, and the ball at times would fizz mm. as it went <laughs> past you. And as soon as I start hearing fizz on a baseball coming past me, I thought, oh, it's time to hang it up. Either my ears are playing up or the eyesight's not right. Get out of here now. Pearl definitely had that good movement on the fastball. That tight spin. Yeah. Good spin. Yeah. And location was not a problem. He was an, an aggressive. He was super aggressive. Absolutely. Too. If you were on him, you were getting one around. The- he was from <laughs> out your neck of the woods, sunshine guy. You spent some time out at Sunshine Baseball Our Club. neck of the woods. Sorry. I'm against the world here. <laughs> Out of your neck of the woods, absolutely. Um, other thing we're going to look at with... Uh, we're going to come back to the all, All-Star all game in a little bit because there's something I want to look at, which is the Franchise 4, and I'm doing air quotes for those who can't see, but we're coming back to the Franchise 4 a little bit later. But I want to move on to a couple of Australian guys who have uh, represented in All-Star games over the last week. One being James Beresford, who uh, Australian guy out of, out of Victoria here, represented the International League in the AAA All-Star game. Uh, the International League won that game 4-3. to three, But, uh, Matt, I believe you had some contact with James, and he had a pretty good game. Yeah, it was uh, 
Awesome uh, achievement from James. I spoke to him uh, last night. Tried to get him for an interview this morning, but unfortunately his game started at the same time of recording, so we couldn't get that to happen. But uh, he's definitely put his hand up to be able to touch base with us at some point along the along the road. But uh, started off with a uh, a triple uh, that should have been caught. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. I could have gone out too, but it was close to going out as well. So <laughs> he's ended up in the uh, All Star game with a triple and a uh, single. Uh, beat out a Good single out. later in the game and. Good day out. Uh, just an outstanding effort from him to yeah. first to make that Triple A All Star team. Sure, uh, if you you know in three or four years' time we'll look at the players in that and you'll see a lot of big league guys. Yeah, um, hopefully James him. Having, yeah, and he, he really needs to get a shot. He's hitting three oh seven this year, um, and he's done it consistently for a couple of years in a row now. I um, did notice that the was it the Twins have a real prospect there that yeah. unfortunately there's there's a problem you know and. Um, I think it's sort of been talked about quite a bit, James. He, he's an unbelievable hitter hitting line drive, line drive, which is evident with a triple and a single. Just seems to lack that power. That was a very, that was a very loud triple, though. It could have gone out. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but, but in his career now, which probably spans around eight to nine years uh, at the minor league level, a number of years now at Triple Eight, just seems to be lacking that little bit of power, which they sort of expect at the major league level. Um, was it Dozier's the guy that's come in and jumped right, him? Yep, that's right. And and Dozier ended up uh, he ended up playing a home run in the in fairly the well. Game. Yeah, yep. Look, we spoke, we touched on this last week that uh, you know Beresford is probably victim of that major league average getting better. Um, you know Brian Dozier, the guy probably holding him out. There's no way known he's going to play ahead of him. Really, I mean. No, you've got to be hoping for injury. Yep. Um, yeah. Or the Twins to or, keep or, pushing and get September call-up. Yep. You know, yep. That, a guy off the bench uh, to uh, make sure we uh, have some backup field because his feelings exceptionally can play all three spots in that infield. Yeah, he seems uh, to have the rest of the game covered. He's got decent speed, got good arm, good glove. The only thing that seems to be ma- um, lacking, as I say, is just that the pop in the bat. He's maybe he's too good at hitting line drives. Yeah, you know, sometimes you want that little teach, elevation. If you want Absolutely. to try and change his approach, he's had his whole life to now be more of a power guy. Are they going to take him when he hits? Because he, he's not going to hit forty. So no, you're you know, right. You're right. Him hitting Dead seven, right. but batting two twenty is no good to them. Yeah. yeah. So right. he needs to be that high average because I think he realizes that he's not that. Super uh, power guy, so yeah, tough battle. And, and then you've got to balance that with if you're going to be that high average guy, you got to run a bit too. Mm. And he can, I mean, obviously he can run a bit against but them over there. I mean, there you've got different. guys running six two sixties. It's different, uh, yeah, which yeah. is it's just different, just flat out express. So yep. you know, and Jimmy would probably be a, a six five six six at best, I yep. would say, without yep. knowing exactly, but. That's just their average. The yeah. big blokes are, are moving at that speed. Sure, and and that's and that's what we were talking about. Is that you've got to have? It's almost like you've got to have all five all five tools yep. um, because the guys that hit three hundred super plus, correct? The game changer. Yeah. Yep. The game changer. So uh, if if he's hitting three hundred, you've got to steal some bags, yep. score a lot of runs. You know, get on, score a lot of runs, yeah. get a lot of walks. Yeah. So far, his career's gone beautifully. We hope for that. Uh, the one that does stick in my mind was the great Sammy Sosa, home run hitting Sammy Sosa. He sneezed once, put his back out, and set out three weeks of baseball. So we would need one of those big leaguers up in the Twins to sneeze <laughs> severely, put their back out. 
to give Jimmy Beresford a shot at uh, at the big league level, but he's he's right on the cusp, and hopefully all the best for him. The other Aussie that did represent in an All Star game was uh, for the Florida State League, Todd Van Steensel out of New South Wales. He represented the Florida State League South against the Florida State League North, and he came in uh, his pitches at the high A level. And uh, they ended up with a 6 nothing win. He didn't perform a lot during the game, just came in for a couple of hitters. But uh, That's standard. Yeah, yeah it is. Game, in yeah. an all-star game, you, you tend to get guys who... Uh, it's good to get the two hitters. Sometimes you'll only get to yeah. face one. Yeah, and yeah. even you mentioned something about the, that. We'll just backtrack to Jimmy Beresford. In the in that AAA all-star game, the guy who ended up getting the win... Yeah, one of Jimmy, uh, Jimmy's teammates with the uh, Red Wings <laughs> came in for one pitch, got the win in the all-star game. So, doesn't yeah. that doesn't that go down on your CV? <laughs> yep, it doesn't it. go down as one pitch. It goes yeah, down, I got the win. really small, and I, then you have the W really big. There's <laughs> yeah. the fine print on that. Um, we're just going to go to, there was other minor league games played as well over that time. Another one was the Futures All-Star Game, which has uh, now become a really big deal over in the US where all of the people who think these guys potentially will be major yeah, leaguers prospects. and superstars. Big prospects. Uh, Futures All-Star Game. The USA won that game versus the world 10-1. to and the winning pitcher in that game was Amir Garrett from the Reds, another fireball thrower. So you throw him up there with Araldos Chapman and you get a pretty good little setup going of guys throwing hard. The MVP for that game was Kyle Schwarber, catcher with the Cubs, and home run from Josh Bell of the Pirates in that particular game. And um, so you know, the Futures All-Star game, that you, we've seen a number of Guys come through the system who have represented in that Futures All-Star game, just like Trout, just like Bryce Harper. They're really good at picking, at picking the potential of these guys, putting them in the Futures All-Star game. Just another game of baseball to represent and be amongst it. But they really go on and have big league careers from there. We'd be lucky to have some Australians in there as well with Huber. Um, I believe uh, Luke Hughes played in it. Huber was in it three times, won the MVP in 2005. Luke Hughes represented in it. Uh, Trinolchin? Olchin has been a part of it. You're right. Uh, another one was Liam Hendricks, who's doing really well with the Toronto Blue Jays yeah, up at the Major League story. level. We'll, we'll go back to uh, Major League standings at the moment because now with the All-Star game, we've tipped over the halfway mark of the season. And I uh, did read a nice story on Liam Hendricks just with his, uh, his current numbers over there in the US with Toronto. His career ERA has been uh, 5.3. But this season, with increased velocity, he's throwing the ball around 94, 95 this year, has, uh, he's dropped his ERA down to three. So mm. Liam been, Hendricks has really been terrific. He's been, big part, he's been a big part of, uh, of Toronto's results this year. They're right in the mix. Yeah. They are right in the mix. It's Great a tough, offense, too. Yeah, tough, division, uh, tough division is the American League East. Um, we're gonna, uh, we'll be going to a, a break soon enough, but I'm going to touch on, before we get there, I'm going to touch on the Home Run Derby was run under a different format mm. this particular year. Uh, I read what the format would be prior to, wasn't a fan. Just by reading it, thought, this is silly, what are they tinkering, why do we always have to tinker with stuff? When I actually saw it in practice, in practice, terrific, was, it worked, and you know what, it brought a lot of the the idea of a home run derby to this big crescendo that you you want 
oh my god is he going to do it oh my god it's warning track yeah. oh my god and 50,000 people were losing their mind at the end there was really I'm just going to go through the people that did appear in uh, in the home run derby the American League was Albert Pujols Chris Bryant from the Cubs Jock Pedersen is a hot young player with the Dodgers right now and Manny Machado from the Orioles and uh, for the National League, Josh Donaldson, Anthony Rizzo, Todd Frazier ended up being the winner of the home run derby in his hometown, and uh, Prince Fielder. So what did you think of the format anyway? I didn't mind it. I I, I think three minutes is a long time to be slugging away. Yeah. <laughs> you could see that they uh, are four minutes, was it? Thanks, Sev. Um, four minutes is a long time to be slugging away, yeah. and you could see the fatigue. You know, well, getting towards the time end. out they gave him. That was a good intro because yeah, without that, it would have fizzed. Yeah, it would have been done. Correct. And it's crucial when they pick that yeah. that uh, time out. It's crucial. Yeah, and and d- d- I don't know if you saw uh, Pujols versus uh, Bryant, the old bull, young bull sort of thing. He didn't panic, and I don't know how you felt watching it, but I thought Bryant was going to go through, um, but. The old bull, old bull Albert, yeah. uh, steadies, um, and then knocks the required home runs to, to move through to the next uh, next round. Um, and then I was thinking, okay, how is it going to look the next round? You know, is mm. fatigue going to uh, play a part? And um, but I, I thought I, I'm, I'm with you. I thought the the format worked. It's a it's an amazing uh, thing because you do it in BP a bit where you just go, I'll try and hit some here, and because you're under control, there's no pressure. It's all right. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a bad. Been, I was a part of one of them, and it is totally. I could barely stand up after the first round. <laughs> a home run derby? Yeah, it was crazy. Because you yeah. did have all star representation? Yeah, got in there one year of independent ball and got into the all star team. It was just in a total um, entry level all star event. <laughs> it was still awesome because you're playing with those guys that you've played against and potentially not liked or whatever. Yeah, you yeah, get on yeah. the same team with them. Different kettle of fish. Everyone's yeah. going for the same cause. You get to relax a little bit, go through the festivities, and then go through the game. But that home run derby, it's a, it's a different thing f- totally. And to see Paul Hoss when he started slipping either, his, his bottom hand was coming off, his all-top hand, couldn't hit one out, had a, probably, a, what, 10 swings in a row where he was nowhere near it. Did you see he changed his he changed his follow through there? Yeah. He's, he's just yeah. like just hanging on lost before it. before he's yeah. letting, you know, like he generally lets go of the top hand and then he was hanging on with the yeah. top hand. Yeah. Definitely, that was Regroup, fatigue. And that just shows that his fatigue. experience too. Absolutely. To come back and then start just knocking him out to get through to that next round. Yeah, do whatever it takes. We're still with the minor leagues, of course, with uh, Matt. I wanted to reference you here with, of course, uh, mention at the intro that you made it uh, as a catcher to the AAA level with the Boston Red Sox. And one of the great young prospects out of Australia has just come back off the deal being Dan McGrath, young lefty from the Doncaster baseball club he uh he's had some arm issues over the time but he came back this week and uh through his first game since coming off the dl yeah it's just outstanding performance from from dan to come back from those surgeries we see a lot of our, our guys that go over there have them um just because we're not used to that amount of, mm. of baseball uh and you're up against good hitters every day that you need to be at your best here you can coast a little bit when you have a, a dip in the lineup over there you, you max effort all the time uh, and Dan to come back and he's having a fantastic year. Yeah, um, his numbers are just exceptional. So you know, one point three five ERA. I mean, he's one and one. Obviously, you'd like to get those wins up a bit, but he can't control that part. He's thrown it. a number of innings though, so he yeah. has been. You know, they, they obviously use him as a starter. They like him yeah. as a starter. Um, so he's got a real, real potential and a real opportunity. I think he's got some stuff to make it to the major league level, but a lot of it is a bit of luck as well. 
Matty, I've seen Dan Pitcher. I love the kid. He's uh, he's got r- real life stuff. Mm. Um, what does he need to do to get to the next level? I don't think there's anything you'd have to say you've got to change this pitch to. It's just the development of him as a pitcher. Yep, time being in the game. Le- time being in the from game, the left yeah. side. Uh, the velocity, he's already got it with a heavy mm. ball. He throws mm. a very heavy ball, and mm. he had that from a young age. We had him in final series at you know local baseball mm. at 14, 15 years old, and he looked like he'd been playing it for a while. Mm-hmm. So if you've got that early, that doesn't leave you. So he's got that part of his game. He just needs to keep getting the Experience. craft yep. of that left-hander. Uh, and as you move up through, he's at high A now, but as you get into double AA, A, triple A, those hitters are so so much smarter. They're not the raw guy with the talent. They're guys with the talent that now know how to hit. Yeah, and they understand their strike oh, zone. It, it's, a, it's a different kettle. When I got my chance to have a couple of uh, minutes in AAA, it was, I was told to me straight away, you don't throw off uh, fastballs with guys on base. In a guy in a scoring position, we don't go, we go off speed first. And I was like, "Whoa, hold on!" Was it's this sort of a in. was this kind of a Boston philosophy? No, or was it's it a, the, a baseball the amount, philosophy. That's coming from because when you get to AAA, the guys have been around all different clubs most of the time. Uh, there's some uh, true through all the way through the minors, but most of them are from free agents from all over the place, especially at Boston because they had time in the game. They want top up for big league guys. So if someone goes down, they've got a guy that's played in the big leagues. They're very reluctant, or they were when I was playing there in '06. They were reluctant to promote younger guys because of the pressure in Boston. Yeah, uh, you've got to have someone that can perform, uh, is going to perform straight away. Because if they don't, I mean, they've got that many fans that are all over them. Yeah, so yeah, sure. that was the difference. Same in New York. Yeah, exactly the same. I mean, they, they, I feel those clubs have changed in the last sort of five years, where they, you know, with the Pedroyas and with these sort of people that have come in and done really well as young players, superstars. It, it opens the the gate for trying to blood in a younger guy versus where it used to be. We need a catcher. We're going to go get one from another club, trade sure. for him, bring him over, mm-hmm. uh, and then away you go. Yeah, and the pressure of press and the whole thing, the, yeah. the, the cities are huge with that. The other one you mentioned uh, with Dan McGrath being a left-hander. Why are left-handers so more sought after than right-handers? Because there are none. <laughs> they don't have any. They're really? 4% of the world. Really? Yeah. Oh, right. Well, there you go. There's none of them. But also, the other one we've got who is uh, also on the radar as a hot prospect is Lewis Thorpe, who's uh, going through Tommy John surgery right now. Um, Do you know anything about where Lewis is at? I know he had the surgery a while ago. Yeah, he's had the surgery. He's made the decision to stay in America uh, to get the full rehab, which is a great decision, I think. I was just going to ask you that. What do you think of that? I think it's the best way for any of our guys to go. I don't believe when you come back to Melbourne or whichever other state you're from, um, I don't think you will get the same uh, expertise in exactly what you need for baseball. You'll get a rehab. Yeah. I don't think it's the best baseball it's rehab. A, that, that's an interesting one too because like it, homesickness and uh, being away from home and all that kind of deal, but uh, it's a bit – Can't yeah, deal with that. Call. You're not going to make it anyway. Yeah, sh- sure. Yeah. No doubt. No yeah. argument. And – it's a it's a great call and a mature call and a great call for his own uh, career to oh, stay over. Totally. There. Yeah, and it's just it, wouldn't have been of, easy. No, not at all. The amount of resources you have, though, it, it's it's the best call, mm. uh, especially Tommy John. That's one you can't mess with. Yeah, uh, guys either come back throwing harder or they come back not not at all. Yeah, not mm. at all. So they get rehabbed to healthy and then see you later. Yeah. So it's a it's a very tough uh, injury, but with the surgery and the technology now, guys are making great. Um, comebacks to the game after it. Is it still 
like twelve months out of the game. Is that is that the time frame with this? I think you you see his mum from time to time. Lynn. Yeah, Lynn works with us. Yeah, um, and yeah, she keeps us updated on his, his progress. Uh, but it is. It How old be, is he? Uh, what are you, just nine? He'd be not nineteen. Yeah. yeah, nineteen. Wow. Left hander. Yeah. You know, so the kid can throw it and a, a big. Big, big uh, lump of a kid now. Yeah, you know, he's, he's developed yeah. physically. You can see that. He really has. And, you know, I wish all the best for him. He's really got some yeah, potential. Absolutely. Yes. It's just a tragedy there. to go through that major surgery at yeah. such a oh, tender sure. age. You'd such like to a, get... You know, you're not even two, developed. No. You're, you're not even developed and you have Two more years in of playing full season uh, baseball would be good for him to then, if you did have to have an injury, you've got some right. more experience. But, right. You know, conditioning. He'll, he'll, yeah. Conditioning. You know, like these... It, Body hasn't even developed yet. Yeah. He's getting torn apart. Yeah, oh, that's the pressures over there, though. Sure, absolutely. And uh, the other one, JC. This guy's from your neck of the woods. Yes. We're talking about young Sam Gibbons, who's with the uh, Twins organisation. He's really developed, also, but got a promotion this early part of the season because he's been throwing well. Look, he's just a great kid too, uh, Sam Gibbons. Um, a number of years ago, we nearly lost him. He was nearly out of the game because. Uh, we were trying to develop him into a catcher, and he he didn't like it. Basically, he wanted to pitch, and uh, the uh, conventional wisdom for him was that if he wanted to play uh, elite level baseball, that catching would probably be the best uh, path for him because he can hit. He's a good left-handed hitter, um, strong arm, uh, shuts down the running game, good technique behind the dish, rangy sort of athletic build. Um, one big problem though, didn't want to, didn't, didn't want, want to, to do it. It's didn't not like the it. position if you don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, That's exactly uh, right. Well, I'm going to come back to well, that moment. Isn't, isn't it funny? Like, catchers either really love it or oh, you yeah. just hate it, right? Yeah. And it's, uh, and you're right. If, if, if you're not 100% committed, all those little foul tips and, getting sconed in the head with follow-throughs and yeah, all that kind of thing. you can have all the uh, skills and technique in the world. If you don't want it, it's not the spot for you. Because you all the gap. The ball finds all the gaps in your equipment and all that kind of stuff. You're essentially in charge of the game, though, aren't you? Right. As, as the catcher, yep. you can see the whole park. Most the other players have got their back to what's going on besides looking at the hitter. But as the catcher, you're in charge of everything that you can see in front of you. So you, the hardest thing to teach, too, is that part of the game for a I can teach blocking, receiving all day long, and people will pick that up. To try and teach them the art of Game catching management. and the management yep. and watching a hitter's swing, how we're going to pitch to him and already have a plan yep. is the hardest thing I've found with the coaching side of catching. Just how do you put that in? How do you put enough time in with that guy to develop it? It's easier in the States Being because you sit there. You are the manager at Melbourne Baseball Club right now and probably, I would say, the number one catcher in your lineup unless you don't pick yourself but how, how do you go about calling games do, do you if you're not catching the game will you send signals to the catcher that's no, out there no you, you never do that you let the catcher well, then they never learn, learn. they never learn. i've never been a fan of it college do it a lot in the states yeah. uh, the college uh, coaches just have to be the dominating it seems to me that they have to be the person well, their jobs signal. their jobs a bit but isn't it interesting it's a catch 20 well catch 22 they feel that their job's on the line, so they yep. want to control all the variables. Yep. But then again, if you don't develop your catches, then you, you know you never. Mm. What what if you're sick? What if you're yeah. not there? You know, yeah, I, um, I've just never never enjoy that part of it. More my style of coaching would be to in between innings grab them and say, "Hey, we go. could have done this, this, this. What do you think about it?" As long as they've got a plan, I'm happy. Yeah, that's right. But if they have no plan, they go, "I don't know why I called that." Yeah. That's where there's an issue because there's no brain that's action. Right. And also going into the game. 
You know, you've got to know, have an idea of who you, you know, who you're playing and 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 how you're going to approach or yeah. general a general approach. How we're going to set hitters up and things like that. So Sammy back, didn't back to Gibbons. Yeah, no, <laughs> so no, Sammy, I, was, I was about to come back. That's good. There. That's a nice little. That's, yeah, that was his, important. His current lum- numbers this season after the promotion, he's currently three and two, which is three wins. Two losses. His ERA's up there a little bit, but that will work down as he goes. Currently 5.34 is his ERA, and that's in six starts with the Cedar Rapids Colonels. Yeah, look, when he finally uh, moved to moved to pitch, he was a natural pitcher, got that live arm, very easy, mm. uh, very flexible arm, very you know snappy wrist action. He came Good along really spin. quick with that too, because I faced him a couple of years ago, and it was just another right-hander. Yep. And then faced him last year under lights at Altona. Yeah, uh, that was yeah, that was getting on you a bit. And he's yeah. got that late movement, absolutely real loose, real loose action. Yeah, and and Spears, he was talking about that uh, depth in the break of his, you know, it's mm. late break. Yep. You know, nothing really happens much until the you know the last third of the journey, which is really difficult yeah. as a hitter. So he's got that going for him. Um, he's experiencing now probably with the promotion. He's you know experiencing better hitters. That's why his ERA is sort of up there a little bit, but. As he gets more experienced, and uh, Cedar Rapids Midwest League, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yep. that's a launch pad league too. Yep, that's like right. The balls it's travel good... there, so the five three is probably some of the other leagues three or four ERA. Okay, so there's okay. a bit of a difference there, right? Sure. And and the hitters are starting to you know understand a little bit, and uh, you know just your, your your good fastball isn't you know so good. You've got to locate it and get a bit of movement as well. So he's yep. learning that. Um, but uh, he's got a really exciting uh, career ahead of him. He's a big kid, and he hasn't even grown into it in, yeah. into his physique yet. He's uh, he's probably got another ten or fifteen kilos of muscle to put on as he develops as a as a kid. But one thing that impresses me most is he's just a lovely kid. He's got the perfect uh, mindset and attitude. He takes he takes easy going yeah, sort of guy. Whatever gets thrown in front of him, whatever obstacles, it doesn't seem to phase him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you need Teachable. that. Teachable, yeah. great, just a super kid, yeah, lovely good family, kid. good kid. And uh, I was, I was a little concerned for him uh, early stages because he spent three seasons, I think it was, at the rookie ball level and didn't seem to good be point, didn't good seem point. to be progressing anywhere. But this particular year, and you made me think of it when you talked about body development just yep. a second ago, yep. because I think they've been waiting for that body development to come along. Well, okay, so all the kids that he's now playing with and against have all gone through, well, probably 80 to 90% of them have gone through a college system. Okay, so he's done his college in professional baseball. That's all. So no need to panic. He's just done his development and he's, he's learning his, his college, if you like, air quotes again. <laughs> which I love the air quotes yeah. in here. Yeah. <laughs> which that, that whole thing you bring up, Joseph, is the normal point where Australians get released. That's because right. they're now getting into out of the rookie ball system and they're getting into a, a short A or an A ball, and that's normally the time we get chopped. I know it happened to me. I've been raised a lot of times, but um, it, it's where they do get their college time to develop. It's not as much pressure on you in college to develop because you've got more time, less games, and you've got just an ease of being able to work out in the gym, do that extra coaching without the pressure of losing your job. And still 200, 250, 300 at-bats, yeah. you know, which is three times more than we get. For sure. So in the same period. Huge difference. So, uh, another one we're going to take a look at who I know has been um, – this one's an interesting one in where do you see Grant Balfour right now? Now, this guy started the season in the big leagues with the with the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Right now, we haven't seen nor heard a lot of him. 
usually clubs pick them up fairly quickly. I know Grant is keeping a low profile right now. There were some questions about his shoulder. Do you think that he might get another shot with another club? Look, we talk about at the big league level, you can't just be 94 miles an hour and straight. You know, and he's a little bit straight now. Uh, he, well, from, from what I've observed. And, and his results probably show that when he was that dominant closer, you know, it's like that that hard, um, you know, running fastball yeah. uh, with good location. Um, and now if you've got a bit of a, you know, if, mm. if you're not 100%, and he's a max effort guy. Every t- every he's time a, he throws every the ball, pitch. it's max effort. Yeah. He couldn't be a finesse-style pitcher. Yeah. Obviously, being a closer, that wouldn't be a role anymore. But even out of the pen, I can't see him being a change now to an 88 and with a little bit of movement. Yeah. You'll get you'll get some time because you've got awesome big league experience and performance. I mean, he's been outstanding. Sure. And plus, the bell for rage has got to come yeah. with it. The rage is the, something rage that helps at him. The rage yeah. does it really get people off their the, feet. Yeah. And there you go. And, and, and probably what what has probably crept in is the long ball. You know, giving up a lot of home runs. You know, and that's you know that's it, not conducive. It can kill you at the end of the innings yeah, when you pitch at the end of the game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and the, the, and this is the thing when you're pitching in the big leagues. You can be pitching well and still not get a great result. Mm. You might make one mistake, one mistake, and then you know the game's over. So, but the best thing with him, I would say, is that he's a hardworking guy. Always has yeah, been. Sure. So, if he's going to get a chance again, it won't be through um, him not working hard. He'll get it if he get a chance it'll because he's worked hard and he'll put himself in that position again. So we hope he does. Uh, he's been Absolutely. outstanding for us. Absolutely. Yeah. And, the, and the last one we're going to just take a a quick uh, snapshot of is of course Pete Moylan. Now, a lot of people try and claim him from here in Victoria. He's a Perth guy, so let's just get that on record right from the start. But he's had some sort of career, and the Atlanta Braves gave him a shot this year, questions about his fitness and all that sort of stuff, and they actually employed him to be a playing coach with the Danville Braves, which is their rookie ball team, the young kids to mentor and help them along the way. He started performing so well, and Atlanta weren't performing well at the higher end at the major league level, they promoted him up to AAA. So he's currently now at AAA uh, and doing beautifully with... He's just come off the DL, though. He had a ha- oh, he's on the DL right now with a hamstring. But there's Pete Moylan. We're talking about throwing that mid to high 80s, but he's got some serious move on his ball, and that's why he's uh, now up at the AAA level. Look, I think it's not just all of a sudden he's he's emerged i think that was the idea right from the start you know just to to ease him back into the game um because we talk about that experience at the at the level uh, he i mean he's done it and and gets everybody out at the level has done um fitness and arm conditioning is the only sort of factor for him really um throws you know I don't know where he's at right now with his velocity, but certainly with that nasty downward movement, is very he's, heavy on the I bat. I don't believe he's mid nineties anymore, but he's sort of he's going to be around that eighty eight, ninety two yeah. range with serious is, sink. And that is enough. That is enough, and and he's done it before. He's a great clubhouse guy. Yeah. You know, we, I heard <laughs> I heard that's the only reason they employed him because he's just great socially. Well, well, <laughs> the the story goes that he he got uh, he got traded to, or would the Dodgers picked him up through the playoffs just to have him in the clubhouse. He was never going to get in. He was just going to be there for the, you know, keep everybody loose yeah. and all that kind of thing. And I thought, wow, I could do that. Yeah. I could do exactly. that. Give me 
500. I'd take 500 grand to be the clown in the clubhouse. No 500? Problem. I'll do, do it for 50. I could do that. I could do that. <laughs> a flight and 50 will do me just nice. I'll buy a can of Coke. That's me right there. So I reckon you'd pay your own way over there. Oh, I'd give it a shot. I'd give it a shot. You give me a little mobile I'll home. wash my own uniform, everything. Yeah, I'll, I'll wash everybody's. I'll take the bus. Yeah, I'll wash everybody's uniform. <laughs> no, we wish him all the best. He's come back really well from that injury, quicker than expected, and that's why he's jumped. As you said, Jason, mm. they had him in early for just development and do it at your own pace. Mm. Uh, and then it just came back really well, which at Pete's age too, and he's had a lot of injury problems, yep. um, but done an outstanding job with that. Looking fit. Yeah. He's looking fit. And if he can, he only needs to get a little bit more to get his 10 year. Mm. And that's what I, yeah, know, wow. I know he wants. Wow. And yeah. that was a bit of a yeah, contentious a pension. one. There's a pension involved. Yeah, there's a full there. major league pension when yeah. you get 10 years of service. So. Yeah. That's, What's uh, that now? That's 80% of Major League minimum. <laughs> it it, it, it works out to be around the 300000 mark every year. You once once, coffees, once yeah. you hit to about the 60 <laughs> age, you, uh, you start getting that. The Hall of Fame is something that's always been a bit of a thorn in my side over the journey about how they people decide who should and who shouldn't go into the Hall of Fame. The moral police seem to get involved <laughs> a lot of the time and decide who's of good character and how they uh, should or shouldn't go into the Hall of Fame. But the inductees for this year, 2015, I don't think there's any question about these particular men is Pedro Martinez will be going in. For uh, Boston, Craig Biggio for the Houston Astros. Randy Johnson, who decided to go in as a Diamondback if the player wow. plays for a number of different <laughs> clubs. He gets the choice of which club he felt better at and wants to represent in World the Hall Series of Fame. So, yeah. so Randy Johnson will be going in as a D-back. And John Smoltz from the Atlanta Braves pitcher, he uh, he's going in a course with the Atlanta Braves. Do you think the... Uh the uh, Mariners are feeling a little bit chastened there wow. with the big yeah. unit. Yeah, I mean, what was he there? Ten plus? Yeah, would have been ten plus with the Mariners. Yeah, that's it. he came up as you know. You look at the players coming out of there. King Griffey's come out of there. Chiro was there. A Rod started there. They had some sort of recruiting system going on there. Randy Johnson, and as you say, around the ten year mark with that club, but has decided due to now being a Hall of Fame career, has decided to go in as a Diamondback, and that one did surprise me. Yeah. Maybe it's that World Series. That's the the highlight of what he always wanted. Or he's had some bad experience at the end of the Seattle time that he, you know, decided he wanted to be a part of that for it. It's hard to know. Initially yeah, started with uh, Montreal Expos, which have now become the uh, Washington Nationals, uh, Seattle Mariners, Houston Astros, Arizona Diamondbacks, which is the team he's decided to go in with, um, New York Yankees where he lost his mind for a year because the press were all over him and he did not like the attention, and San Francisco Giants. But just some numbers on him. He ended up with 303 wins. The 300 mark for wins as a pitcher is a real milestone. Benchmark, it's a, yep. it's a, the elite, yep. a thousand goals in, in AFL footy. You, you got close to <laughs> him. 16, uh, something like that. Anyway, anyway. 900. <laughs> another show, that one. But he's ended up with 4,875 strikeouts. The strikeouts is the big kicker. Enormous amount of strikeouts. So I think second all-time on strikeouts. A career ERA of 3.29. Anything around that three mark is, is phenomenal. And uh, only pitcher to ever win against every other franchise. So... <laughs> 
Um, but he, he that one in there. phenomenal career, Randy Johnson. And there's this, there's a lefty who you would love to face. I'm sure. Well, he scared me as a kid when I first went over with Seattle at 18 to see that guy on a treadmill after he's just pitched with the massive ice bag on his shoulder, the yeah. big long mullet <laughs> hair. He's six foot ten. Yeah. And yeah. he just, he was angry riding a, a treadmill. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Riding so he's a, an angry, uh, angry oh. dude. Just the look, it's, I think it's painted on his face just yeah. to be angry. He'd yeah. drive his Hummer in to the club room, uh, the clubhouse, but park it on the, the nature strip in front of the door because he yeah. didn't want to walk from the car park. Yeah. Just covered in mud. He'd come back after the game perfectly <laughs> clean, all gleaming. It was amazing to see And he car wash attendant as yeah, well. they get all their guys. Wow. Jay Buna, they all love it's it. One, it's one thing throwing like 98 to 100 miles an hour. But at six ten, that stride, like you're all, you're half to me. Down to the- me, the angle. I've, I wasn't a left-handed hitter. Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm sort of referring to you. But the angle that he must come at it, it it's kind of coming from the right fielder it's in a way. A Chris Sale it, type. It's um, and swat. you can never. It, you automatically, I think you step in the bucket because you think it's coming at you to be able to get your hands yep. through. Um, but as you said, Joseph, he releases that thing halfway too. It's like he's yeah. putting it in the catcher's glove. <laughs> like you don't get a chance to swing it because he just passes it in there. You're like, <laughs> so it's just it, to to have that ability. That's what he. And then, then you have that ball leaving the left-handed hitter, the slider going away. I mean, uh, it's and it's, it's at you. Well, John Cruck in the All Star game when he flipped his hat backwards, the helmet backwards to face him. He didn't want to be up there. He didn't. He's like, I come to an All Star game. He was not even in the box. This. Yeah, he wasn't even in the box. He was like four, was four feet off the plate. Outstanding. <laughs> and then he did he did throw one of those. Didn't he play horse around with it, like throw one behind it, like yeah. playfully threw yeah. one behind his head? That, that's the but one then, that I remember is the Cruck one. In that yeah. all-star game, yeah, yeah, he yeah, deliberately yeah, yeah. threw one behind his head and Cruck wanted no part of it. Yeah. He and just it was, wanted he was just fucking around. And then he did throw in one of those sliders like yeah. at him and he, he stepped right out. He just didn't want to know anything about it. And the commentators, everyone was laughing. <laughs> other, uh, other inductees in the Hall of Fame I mentioned, Pedro Martinez, who played with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, Montreal Expos, Boston Red Sox, New York Mets, and the Philadelphia Phillies. His career numbers were, he ended up with 219 wins, 3,154 strikeouts, and an ERA under three, which is phenomenal, at 2.93. Really, uh, he was a tremendous pitcher, and as I said, going in with the Boston Red Sox. Arguably my favourite pitcher ever to watch. And what I loved, when he was at Boston, that was my favorite period for for Pedro, uh, and I just love watching that. You know that ninety five mile an hour fastball, but then the change up, that disgusting dirty change, exactly the same arm slot, exactly the same arm speed. You know, and just making hitters look. Stu- Your ninety five stu- is not ninety five anymore when you have that change up. No, well that's your ninety five Chapman hundred and two. <laughs> yeah. Because Chapman doesn't have that change-up. So. And, and just, yeah, absolutely just it, Chapman, dominating Chapman lineups. doesn't need that change-up. No, no, he <laughs> doesn't. that hard. Yeah. It's past everybody. Another inductee is, uh, of course, John Smoltz going in with the Atlanta Braves. He also, the bulk of his career was with Atlanta, but spent some time with Boston and the St. Louis Cardinals. But he ended up with 213 wins, that 3,000 mark in strikeouts, 3,084 strikeouts, and an ERA, career ERA, a 3.33. That was when Atlanta was at their best through that era. Greg Maddox, John Smoltz. Uh, Glavin. Glavin. Um, uh, Jim Abbott was there yeah. for a little while as yeah. a guy who pitched with one arm. Uh, so they really had a not just a one-two punch. They had a one-two-three-four punch at one stage 
with uh, I think it was Leo Mazzoni was their pitching coach. Yeah, rocking Rock and yeah. Leo. Rock and, Leo. Yeah. and it was all for an act. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, he would have had a sponsor out, Rock and Cheers yeah, or something like that. Something, yeah. But uh, phenomenal career there by uh, John Smoltz as well. Well, Smoltz to me, um, the 213 wins. He was a closer for a lot of his time too. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that that's right. would be an easy three hundred win guy. Didn't he do he both? Sat. Didn't he was yep. a starter, then went to yep. a closer, and then went back to starting again? Yeah, Not right. Too many pitchers do that. Yeah, and he was outstanding to go into that that closing that closing role. Professional pitcher. Yeah, but it just goes to show that three hundred wins is just such a, a phenomenal milestone. Mm. It's such a phenomenal achievement. Will someone yeah. get there again? Gee, not this day and age, the way it's going, is it? You just don't know. Well, you get a, a Strasbourg that's not allowed to pitch more than X amount of innings, yeah, you know, yeah. so he's losing a couple of his seasons to get those numbers up. Yep. That's a topic for another time, that one. But the last mm-hmm. one in this Hall of Fame inductees, of course, is Craig Biggio, who spent his entire career with the Houston Astros, 3,060 hits. That 3,000 mark is absolute it in baseball. 281 batting average over his career, 291 home runs and uh, uh, 1,175 RBIs. Really a terrific player with uh, with the Houston Astros was Craig Biggio. And they go in this weekend over in Cooperstown, which will be July 24 to 27. Never been to Cooperstown. Been to Cooperstown, yes, JC? Yeah, absolutely. When I played in the New York Penn League, that was part of that one. On our day off, we went there. Right. Wonderful... Uh, Wonderful day off, and I, I recommend that anyone interested in baseball, or if you've got a passion for baseball, that's uh, definitely a worthwhile trip. A lot of history. One of our Great good... part of the world, actually. It's a, yeah. a really historical part of the world. And, and it is, isn't it the only, town, the only reason that Cooperstown, anybody knows anything about Cooperstown, though, is because the Hall of Fame there is. Well, yeah, of course. You blink and drive past, you're done. <laughs> There's nothing else there. It's a beautiful part of the country, actually, that upstate New York sort of... Interesting. Um, a good friend of ours has is in the Hall of Fame and will be forever. If you get in the Hall of Fame, you are there forever. Grant Weir. <laughs> Grant Weir is in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely is. Yeah? Yeah. Are you going to tell us why? Or, or well, it's, it's, we have to ask. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologise. <laughs> you just mean see, currently visiting there? You know, <laughs> <laughs> no one Weir. I was here. in the Hall of Fame no, there one stage. You I was there too. for a whole yeah. hour. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no one Weir. He still camped there. He just, he's just foot sleeping down behind. No, the, he was involved with a women's national team that uh, won an oh, international tournament. Oh, and, <laughs> and, of course, they wanted they wanted something to go into the Hall of Fame. I didn't want to tell you. That's why I let it go. But now you had to make it. I'm sorry, has Huber got a bat in there? Yes, he does. As a, it, as a futures MVP, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, that's something you can never take away, isn't it? That's no, outstanding that's right. for Hubes to have that on his uh, on, on his rap sheet. So, no, great work from him. Nice. Absolutely. And with your All-Star game too, uh, sorry, your inductees, uh, Huber knocked uh, Randy Johnson... Uh, Park for his there first big league home run. Yes, it was. Uh, that's an, there's a lot of interesting stories that come about with that last year uh, up in Sydney when the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Arizona Diamondbacks played as part of the celebrations. Australian baseball uh, put together highlights packages of all the guys that have played at the major league level, and they individually got introduced onto the ground, and a little highlights package would play on the big screen yes. as they were being introduced. Well, that. Request was put out for Justin Huber's home run off Randy Johnson to be played as part of his highlights package. He ended up with a, a nice little highlights package over his career. But the time frame it took to get it because they had to get the OK from the Players Association, Major League Baseball, 
Randy Johnson himself <laughs> and his agent to be allowed to play that piece of footage of Justin Huber hitting a home run. Wouldn't you just play it and beg for forgiveness? That's what we tend to do in Australia, and <laughs> unfortunately it works against us a lot of time, especially when Bud Selig's in the crowd having a nice little crown lager up there. Sure. Ah, look, you know, actually, there's been, like, over the history of the game, there's some nice little moments for the Aussies, because didn't Dave Nilsson hit the first home run at the brand-new Rangers Stadium in Texas? Yeah. Yep. Was that was Correct, that a fact? Yeah. Ended up with a 100, exactly a 100 major league home runs, did Dave Nilsson. Great player. Yeah, Milwaukee Brewers. Phenomenal. Arguably our best. Arguably our best. Yeah. I, I would say, no doubt, our best hitter. Well, yeah, position player's got it covered. All-star? Yeah, yeah. All-star and, well. and a major league all-star as well. So, yeah, terrific was Dave Nelson. That's all we got for today's show. Thanks for joining us on SEN MLB Podcast. You can check us out at SEN America or listen to all the podcasts at sen.com.au. Take a listen to the SEN NFL podcast from earlier in the week where the guys had a look at the NFC West. The Seattle Seahawks. And there is someone I really, really like on this defense. Bobby Wagner, the middle linebacker. He actually played, he played 10 games last year and got an MVP vote. Cam Chancellor's my favourite out of a lot of them. He just hammers guys over the middle. Yeah, he he comes down the running game on first and second down. Yep. Like a freight train. He's the ultimate hybrid safety. And there's got Earl, Earl Thomas is the best coverage safety in the NFL. He can play, you know, and that this is the beauty of their defense, which people don't realise. He can play midfield, which basically means he's playing the one deep safety. Yeah. So what people don't understand that the corners are basically playing underneath their receivers, and they rely on Earl Thomas to play the middle of the field and make sure no one gets over the top on his own. The edges worry me. Right now you've got Okafor and Shaughnessy. I just don't see them getting a lot of pressure. And this is what's starting to concern me. Especially in that 3-4 scheme. Exactly. And the coach has left now. Signal division was the Arizona Cardinals. They finished 11-5. and Patrick Peterson, again, he's a guy who, who needs to prove himself to me. I think he's been an okay corner. He's very overhyped, in my opinion. I, I'm, I'm excited to see Carson Palmer. Last 10 games, he's gone 8-2. and two. I think he's, his rating is somewhere around 115, which people don't understand. That's a really good rating. So I, I think he'll I think he'll come. I hope he comes back. Third place, the San Francisco Nobody Wants to Play For Me 49ers. There are some shining lights on this team, though. There's some really good players. Their O-line... Is, yes, loaded. Is quietly incredibly good. Uh, Staley is one of the best left tackles in the league. Bobby Thomas is a, he's a little bit unknown, but I think with the other three guys, Kilgore, Boone, and, and Davis. Anthony Davis is a beast yeah, of a human being. He's a gun. He's very underrated. So I like it. And they, they have some okay receivers. Anquan Bolden's nearing the end of his career, but he's going to move to the slot and be like they're doing with Fitzgerald in Arizona. He's going to be that move around guy. They play him. Basically, what I mean by the move around guy is they play him as a mismatch. So they find weaknesses and move him into those spots to beat it. Defense. They've just lost so many guys. Patrick Willis, Chris Borland, Chris Culliver, Parrish Cox, Dan Scooter, all gone off the defense. And they've fixed that by bringing in Sharice Wright at cornerback. Tom Sewell's got a great name, but he has a huge task in front of him. And, and bring up the re-last year uh, was our mate Wilco St. Louis Rams. They finished 6-10, and 10, obviously missed the playoffs. Before I started doing my research on this team, I thought it could be okay. 
And then I looked at their roster and started looking through the names. Not, not this year. Oh, not this year. No their way. D-line is stacked. It is the strongest D-line in the NFL by so far. It's not funny. They have Chris Long, Robert Quinn, who's a top five pass rusher in the NFL. William Hayes is sitting on the bench for them. He's going to come in and pass rush for them. Aaron Donald, great second-year player. You're bearing the lead, I reckon, Dan. Oh, Aaron Donald, he's a machine. He's so good. And then they bring in Nick Fairley from Detroit, who was only overshadowed by Indama Kinsu. My concern for them is on the back end. This has been another SEN America podcast.